This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. Yes, it's time for episode number seven of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you once again. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. Uh, Evan, uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, this time around. Of course, the Bay Area Panthers were in Sioux Falls last week. We'll recap that game. We'll key in on a few key players that we haven't yet got to so far on the pod this year. We will uh, look ahead to next week as well, or this coming week, coming up on uh, Sunday. The Panthers play at home against the Northern Arizona Wranglers. We'll preview that matchup and a few more things before we call it quits here on the pod this week. Uh, But Evan, first of all, we have to rewind to Sioux Falls. On Friday of last week, the Bay Area Panthers fall for the fifth consecutive time. 49-27 to was the final score. Again, a loss. Uh, and again, a loss by by 20 or more points. All five of their losses have not been particularly close. This one, though, started really well, Evan. Uh, a uh, kickoff return for a touchdown to open the game by Rayshon Pringle. His second straight game with a kickoff return for a touchdown. But it went downhill from there. Again, the final score, 49-27. to The Panthers were on an even shorter week. Uh, they unusual, but uh, still a tough one for the Panthers out in South Dakota. Again, they fall to the storm uh, by 22 points. Yeah, and sort of a, a similar script to the week before. Granted, it was a, a much larger game as far as the scoring was concerned, but you know, the first half, really up until that last minute for the Panthers, was fantastic. It was a three-point game with 56 seconds left in the second quarter before Sioux Falls had a big play down the stretch there to sort of catapult them ahead. And then, of course, they get back on the board in, in, to begin the second half. So, you know, right now, the, the Panthers, they it's, it's tough to 
to figure out exactly what the the issue is because the IFL is such a game that's dependent on all three phases being in synchronicity. But when you have a kickoff return for a touchdown, you have a couple of passing touchdowns in that first half. You feel pretty good about yourself, but it seems to be that the adjustments made by the opposition, especially in that halftime locker room, whatever it is that the, you know the Panthers are doing successfully in the first half doesn't seem to really translate at this point to the second. So at least you know that there's a process of production that's being put forth. Unfortunately, it just hasn't, as we've discussed over the previous couple of episodes, been a 60-minute effort. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned late in that first half, it was a Cameron Pleasant touchdown catch. Cut the score to 21-18 to in favor of Sioux Falls. Uh, but then it was Sioux Falls that scored 11 seconds later. A one-play drive, 34-yard touchdown through the air for the Storm. They go up by 10 at half. They score first in the second half. And then uh, ultimately they win uh, by 22 points, uh, 49-27. to We talked about the offense a lot last week, Evan, because... Um, you know, we know that the Panthers decided to move on from offensive coordinator Terry Smith last week. You're talking about two games ago uh, against the Bismarck Bucks, the game down in San Jose, Evan. Um, they gave up, what was it, 76 points, 75, yes. 76 points mm-hmm. in that game. A better defensive effort this time around, 49, but the game was just much slower in general. The Panthers were really trying to run the ball, and and Sioux Falls had some success running the ball as well, so not nearly as many possessions in this game as there was uh, in the Bismarck game, but still, you look at the first half, Evan, and Sioux Falls, they missed a 40-yard field goal at the first half horn. That was the only drive in the first half that didn't end in a touchdown, so Sioux Falls really got everything they wanted against this Bay Area Panthers defense, and you know, the offense was right there, scoring 18 points in the first half. Not a number to scoff at by any means, but it's hard when on the offensive side, you you know that you have to be almost perfect to keep up because that's how good the Sioux Falls offense was this last week. Well, and the difference really is in the the passing offense for, for both sides, not just for the Panthers, but also Sioux Falls, you know, 15 of 19 for nearly 190 yards as a group passing the football, you know, tack on what the Bismarck Bucks did through the air last week you know it's understandably an even shorter week than we've seen compared to to previous weeks you have a monday night game a turnaround on friday so one less day to prepare you really don't have much time if if anyone's injured to sort of bring them back you don't have much too much time to make adjustments and again based on where they were against bismarck putting themselves up a season high 46 points you felt good about where the offense was and especially the ground game which did translate to sioux falls Five and a half yards of carry, over 120 on the ground, along with a score for the group. So, I, it, you know, th- they are rushing the ball effectively, and that is the game plan, again, to be sort of 60% run, 40% pass for the Panthers. But right now, defensively, they're just getting torched through the air, and that's something that you need to either respond with in terms of points and going back and forth, like the track meet we saw against Bismarck until the Bucks pulled away down the stretch, or you need to be able to slow the game down on your own and create longer drives, which is understandably difficult to do with a 50-yard field, but the Panthers haven't demonstrated an ability so far to be able to do that consistently for two halves. Yeah, and there was a couple of key inactives on the offensive side, Adam Sheffield. 
you know, maybe the best remaining offensive lineman this team has, and we'll talk about him more in a little bit. He did not play. Marcellus Pippins on the defensive side did not make the trip. So, you know, this is a team coming off of a very short week playing Monday and then playing Friday without, you know, a couple of their leaders on both sides of the ball. And, you know, we heard from uh, Kurt Bryan here on the pod a couple weeks ago, injuries are no excuse, but certainly it does make it a little bit more challenging. Uh, some positives, Evan, you mentioned the running game for the Panthers. I mean, Dwayne Gary was really good again, 11 carries, 65 yards, uh, about six a pop on the ground for Dwayne Gary, and he scored a touchdown, uh, a really nice carry from 13 yards out. And it seemed if, if you were watching the game on the, the IFL YouTube stream, you could see him, it seemed like frustrated a few times when Maybe he didn't get the ball. He he wanted it on, on a zone read. Maybe he, he wanted one of the quarterbacks, whether it was Joe Newman or Corey Murphy, to throw him the ball. Instead, they went to a different read. It seems like Dwayne Gary is at the point now where he's feeling so confident in his abilities that he's a little frustrated when he doesn't get the ball because when he does get it, it generally is ending in some positive yardage. No, it is. He, he's he been perhaps the brightest star on the Panthers roster, at least offensively so far this season. And I'm sure he feels like he wants to build off of that. He wants to continue to get better because that's what you want from your team. But, you know, one thing also to pay attention to, to play off your, your point about Sheffield being out, one of the difficulties you know, overall in, with, with injuries, it's not only the guys going down and you, you know, losing their production, but from a running game perspective, you know, there, there's a lot of times where the running backs are being asked to sort of trust the linemen to create holes. And sometimes when you haven't played behind those guys as much, Adrian Hernandez is a pretty new addition coming in a couple of weeks ago. Ricky McCoy had missed some time earlier in the season. And then, of course, you got guys circling in with Sheffield being out. So, you know, he may feel like it's time to get me the ball, but there's certain situations where, you know, as if you're an offensive play caller, you can't really just throw him out there and yeah. continue to hand him the ball. And this is such a, a physical game, too, in a, in a contest where maybe in the second half you're, you know, you're down. You never want to give in and throw in the white towel, but you also got to think about, hey, you know, Dwayne Gary can be a horse, but we almost need to save him from himself at this point because we're going to need him down the stretch of this season if we want to try and turn things around. And I think 10 to 15 carries is pretty appropriate for a group that as a whole has been averaging anywhere between 25 to 30 rushes per game. That's about half the load. That's a big, big load to carry if you're a running back. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, especially you consider kind of the roster churn at the running back position. I mean, there's been guys you know, three or four of them that have been on the roster at some point that are no longer on the active roster at this point. So Dwayne Gary is really one of the last men standing. And, you know, there's certainly a pool of players they could pick from if, if something were to happen. But I think to your point, Evan, the coaching staff, they certainly do not want Dwayne Gary, uh, you know, to go down even with just a nagging injury because they, they have seen just how good he is. And I think you're right. They are somewhat protecting him from himself. They don't want to give him 20 touches, 25 touches a game because uh, you do not uh, want to lose uh, that offensive weapon in Dwayne Gary. 11 carries, again, 65 yards, just under uh, six a pop. He scored a touchdown as well. He also caught three passes uh, for nine yards. Uh, nothing explosive in the passing game, but a reliable receiver uh, nonetheless for the Bay Area Panthers. And uh, speaking of catching and throwing the ball. There is some roster news uh, this week. Evan, we heard from Coach Kurt Bryan. Uh, he told us that the team has released quarterback Corey Murphy, so he is no longer uh, on the Bay Area Panthers. 
pretty big news, Evan, because he was the team's starter and everything we've heard from him. And, you know, he's the veteran of the group. He's going to lead the way at least early on. Joe Newman, the rookie, is a little less experienced and doesn't quite know the ins and outs of the indoor game quite as much as Corey Murphy. But now it looks like it is Joe Newman's job, as, as again, Corey Murphy has been released uh, by the uh, Bay Area Panthers. Coach Kurt Bryan told us that earlier this week. They did add another quarterback, Isaac Hurd, out of Southern Oregon University, had been playing this year uh, with the Idaho Horsemen, which is a, uh, a small uh, indoor football league in the Pacific Northwest. We'll talk more about him uh, uh, in later podcasts and on the broadcast next week. But big news, Evan, Corey Murphy no longer uh, with the team, and it looks like this is a Joe Newman's team uh, from now on. Well, we heard it from... You know, the, the head of the snake, Kurt Bryan, before the season even started, that Corey Murphy is our present, Joe Newman is our future. And so at this point, it's unfortunate because Murphy had been a great locker room guy, you know, a 31-year-old who has seen a lot in this game professionally and can really add a lot. But, you know, with a team that's 1-5 right now, you're looking at a potential point in the season where you have to find something to galvanize and spark this group. And Corey Murphy, unfortunately, was not the guy that was doing it. And, you know, it's, it's tough because as a passer, we, we discussed the, you know, the deficiencies of the pass defense. Well, the pass offense just hadn't been where it, it needed to be in order to provide the running game with that sort of explosiveness that we be that we are, are hoping to see. Murphy this year in about 49% passing, seven touchdowns through the air, but some untimely interceptions, I think five or six turnovers through the air. So, or pardon me, eight turnover or eight interceptions through the air. And that, that just isn't going to get it done again when you're already playing behind in some situations. You know, if you have a game like Bismarck where you score 14 straight points down the stretch of that, that first half and you give the ball back, hoping to go into the locker room yeah. tied, Murphy comes out, throws a pick, that, that spurs 14 straight points for Bismarck, and then the game is not over, but you know you really shot yourself in the foot when you had a chance to reclaim the momentum in that game. And so, and again, it's no fault of his. He's trying as best as he can, and he's, he's doing his best, I'm sure, off the field as well to keep the group glued together because that was his task coming in. But at this point in the year, with the way things have spiraled, having lost five straight, I don't think it's the wrong decision to make that move now. And when you already understood prior to the year that Murphy was kind of going to be that placeholder, whether it's for a season or two or now less for Joe Newman, I think it's the right time to make the call and bring in the 24-year-old. Yeah, so Corey Murphy, again, has been uh, released by the Bay Area Panthers that happened earlier this week. Uh, the quarterback room now, Joe Newman. We've also seen uh, Vincent Espinoza throughout the year, not on the active roster uh, the last few weeks. And then they uh, they signed uh, Isaac Hurd, uh, who played wide receiver at Southern Oregon University, but has quarterback experience and was most recently playing quarterback uh, for the Idaho Horsemen of a uh, indoor football league up in the Pacific Northwest. We'll talk more about him on the broadcast coming up Sunday, I'm sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, a couple other roster notes, Evan, which uh, is is pretty interesting. Uh, Kamai Yates has been activated off of short-term IR, the defensive lineman. That is big news for these Bay Area Panthers, and uh, I think it's going to be... Uh, a big impact because Yates is another big body they can throw there on the defensive line. And you look at who started on the defensive line this past week. It was Khalil Young, Tooney Rapati, and Leonard Hayeswood. Uh, Hayeswood has been a recent addition. Uh, this was uh, the first time he he was active and the first time he played for the Panthers was this past week in Sioux Falls. He was signed a couple weeks ago but was inactive for that Bismarck game. Uh, so you have a little bit more depth there on the offensive line. You have a guy in Yates who was projected to be one of the starters early in the year, has not played much at all because of injury. You got ba- Boss Tagaloa back a couple weeks ago. Now you get Kamai Yates back, and we are finally starting to see this team get a little bit healthier, especially on the lines. And, you know, whether it's the NFL or indoor football, you got to win in the trenches, and I think Yates is going to help them do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it. As far as his size, he's not super imposing. He's six foot two, two fifty. But the strength that this guy brings, at least from what we've heard from the defensive coordinator Derek Shashere, is that he is, if not the strongest guy on the team, he's vying for a close number two because this is a guy who was expected prior to the year to be maybe not you know right as the nose guard, but on that end. You know, you you need to have multiple pass rushers because again, as as the defensive line is concerned, you're you're playing one on one matchups. Occasionally, you might have a blitzer come in behind you, but we haven't seen that a, a ton this year from the defense as far as creating pressure with multiple guys. So Yates is going to be asked to win a lot more of those one on one matchups down in the trenches. He's also good against the run and, and a guy who is sort of seen in many ways from what I've heard as a big brother of the defensive line group. And so you're getting a guy back not only that is productive and that has demonstrated the ability to be dominant up front, but you're also getting a guy that can be that be there out there on the field sometimes when the defense is struggling a bit. Down the down those ends of halves where we've seen, you know, kind of situational unawareness at times. Sometimes you just need a guy to be in in the trenches, to be in the in the huddle defensively, to to sort of bring guys together and say, "Hey, this is what we need to do. This is the task at hand." And a guy that has previous experience in the IFL, played for Green Bay for for a year, and so he's familiar with how this league works. I, this is the type of guy where you don't expect to see, 
you know, a hand outside of the dirt, you know, a defensive interference call prior to the snap. Sort of those some of those mental mistakes that we saw a lot of early on in the in the first three or four games from the Bay Area Panthers, I think he'll help sure up that a lot. And I'm just excited to see what he can do because from everything we've heard, he'll be a big addition. Yeah, he's participated in just a couple of games. He's notched only one tackle, but you know, he's he's been hurt, hasn't really actually been uh in, you know, in the game all that often. And you mentioned he played for the Green Bay, uh, Green Bay Blizzard uh, back in 2017. So he is, you know, he, he's familiar with the indoor game. And that's also something we talked about, not only with Coach Kurt Bryan a couple weeks ago, but also last week with president of the Panthers, Scott McKibben. You know, it, it's when you're a, a new franchise in this league, obviously the challenge for, for the coaching staff and, and, you know, getting a foothold in the community, you know, letting the Bay Area know that, that you exist and, you know, to come out to the games at the SAP Center. But it's also attracting players that have indoor football experience and that know what this league is about. And, you know, maybe they bring someone with them that they're close to it that also have played in the indoor football league or in indoor leagues in general. And, you know, all these different leagues are a little different, but same general rules. So all that experience helps. And Yates is one of those guys that he knows what this indoor game is about. And he can certainly help everyone else that does not have that kind of experience. We saw a lot the last couple of weeks, ever since boss Tagaloa came back of him playing offensive and defensive line with uh, Kamai Yates back less often likely that someone like Tagaloa is going to have to play on both sides of the ball. It's going to help out not only the defensive line, just another body in there, but it's going to help spell some of those guys asked uh, to play double duty right now. So I think it's going to be a huge help. And Yates from Elk Grove, he's a local guy as well. It's just great to see him uh, back out on the field. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, that nothing happens in practice this week and he's ready to go uh, for Sunday against the uh, Northern Arizona Wranglers. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Evan, let's uh, transfer over. We'll stay here on the defensive side, but let's talk about Jeffrey Allison for a little bit. He is uh, a guy that's really fun uh, to watch play football. You think back to the first game of the year. He made that big hit on the fourth and short by the San Diego Strike Force to uh, get the ball back to the Panthers. They eventually drive down and score the game-winning touchdown before getting the stop at the goal line as time expired. He is a big guy, six foot to 40. He plays what uh, the defensive coordinator Derek Shashere calls the joker position, which is kind of like a hybrid linebacker defensive back position. Again, big, six foot to 40, but he has the quickness to play kind of that hybrid position, he has been one of the most fun guys to watch on the defense so far this year. And he's just shocked me with what you kind of alluded to, but just his athleticism. It's it's a delightful surprise to see someone that I think appropriately has been tabbed as the Joker because he is a jack of all trades. Yeah. He really does everything. And even though we we haven't seen him on the defensive line, I bet if you put him there, he'd probably make some plays. So whether it's in the middle uh, you know, in the secondary, um, or coming up in the run game and being able to make a big stop, like you mentioned in that on that fourth down play on on the first and and still to this date only one of the season. You know, he is just like he keeps you on your toes and he plays on his toes. So it, it's almost like you have to watch him wherever he's out on the field. And and I think that's one of the reasons why he's been so valuable to this team is because. As an offense, he's probably really difficult to game plan for because he seems to always kind of be in the right spot. 
He doesn't seem to be out of position. He doesn't really make a lot of mental mistakes, and he hasn't been flagged that much this year. But, you know, just looking at the, the sheer production of it, he's second on the team right now in terms of total tackles. He's had one and a half tackles for loss, a couple of pass breakups. He's recovered a few fumbles, one of which was a, a huge one against yeah. Bismarck towards the tail end of that first half, which at the time sort of shifted the momentum of that game. So he just finds himself around the football and and is a guy that came into the year with no indoor experience whatsoever. So I have been you know, just wowed by what I've seen from Jeffrey Allison Jr. this year, not only in terms of his, his physical appearance and just the way that he plays, but for how, again, for how little experience he had coming in and for how much perhaps was expected of him, he's really stepped up into a leading role. And I think you could argue is one of the main reasons, um, you know, why, why the defense has played, you know, as, as well as it has in recent weeks, because, you know, he's just been at the forefront of each big play. Yeah, second on the team in total tackles, 36 behind his uh, linebacker mate, DJ Calhoun, who has 43. And, you know, you play linebacker, joker, whatever you want to call it, you're probably going to lead your team in tackles. But he's in along with DJ Calhoun on just about every single tackle, has a, a tackle and a half for loss. You mentioned a couple of pass uh, passes broken up and a couple of uh, fumbles uh, recovered, one of them uh, for a touchdown. He played at Fresno State. He played in all 40 games in his time on campus at Fresno State. You know how rare that is for a guy that played middle linebacker uh, at a D1 school like Fresno State. He was up near the top of you know, the, the tackle leaderboard across all of D1 throughout his entire career at, uh, at Fresno State. He's the guy that, as, as we've seen this year, uh, he is all over the field on every single play. And we've even seen him line up. You know, on offense, he hasn't carried the ball yet. It's mostly been DJ Calhoun kind of running the ball as as a bigger back, like a fullback. But we've also seen Jeffrey Allison line up in the backfield, what Coach Kurt Ryan calls the excuse me calls the truck package. So he is very versatile, and he's been uh, uh, very very fun to watch. And something you mentioned. Uh, which I think is interesting. No indoor experience, but he, he really, really hasn't missed a beat. No, and I think that the truck formation is pretty appropriate for what Jeffrey Allison <laughs> is. I mean, we we've heard him be called a, a truck, a thumper, you know, just a big hitter. I mean, you heard the collision when he went head to head on that fourth down play in the first game of the season. I mean, he like, and that's why it's so amazing to me why he is so sturdy and does not get hurt because it's not like he doesn't play a physical oh, style yeah. of football. I know he he's is a, not shying I know away. he's a big boy, but you know, it seems like he just absorbs contact and dishes it out. And you know, it's funny you mentioned Fresno State. There was a story that uh, Shashari told us before the season about the time that he played in college against Alabama. And of course, Alabama came in as a as a team. They you know, they rolled the Bulldogs, but on a national televised broadcast there was a couple of plays down near the goal line where Allison was asked to be, you know, the guy to fill the A gap on, you know, I'd imagine one of those Heisman leading candidates <laughs> that Alabama has coming out of there every single year. Whichever one it is. Whichever one. one you know, I don't know which. <laughs> I mean, take your pick at this point. But back to back plays on the goal line early in that game, he stuffed Alabama by himself. And there's you can actually go on YouTube and go watch this game. It, it is a very impressive display of, of just sheer power at the point of attack. And that's what he's brought to this team in his first season is in, in indoor football. It's been awesome. Yeah, certainly has. And we look forward to a lot more highlights from Jeffrey Allison throughout the year. Uh, Evan, let's move over to the offensive side. Let's highlight uh, one of the offensive linemen. We mentioned him briefly earlier. He did not play 
uh, in Sioux Falls, which is a little unfortunate for him because Adam Sheffield, he went to the University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. He's from out here in San Jose, originally attended De Anza College before transferring to the University of Sioux Falls for the final two years of his collegiate career back in 2017 and 2018. Interestingly enough, Evan, Adam, he had a scholarship offer from Boise State, but he decided to go to Sioux Falls and play there for two years where he was uh, one of the uh, the best linemen uh, at that uh, program at the University of Sioux Falls. And now, really, he's one of the leaders of the offense. He's a captain. You see him out there on the coin tosses before every game. Unfortunate that he did not play this last game, and you could certainly see that he was missed. I mean, the run game still worked well, but there was a lot of pressure on Corey Murphy and Joe Newman when they were back to pass. Adam Sheffield, when he is in there, he is a calming presence for this offense. Absolutely, and and he's been asked to sort of fill a, a big void with Jeremy Hickey moving on, and credit to him going to the the CFL Canadian Football League to play for the Ottawa Red Blacks. So, you know, Hickey at the beginning of this season was sort of the veteran of the group. He was there up front. He was the long snapper, and you know Sheffield has kind of had to take over as that leading dog up front for the offensive line and you know with guys moving in and out it's not only difficult for the running backs to figure out how your offensive line is going to play and create holes for you but it's also difficult when you're playing along some guys that are being rotated in and out and even though there's no stunting there's no twist you all have to be on the same page and communicate where you're all going so I think Sheffield has been you know, one of the few anchors, you know, both literally and figuratively for the Panthers this year. And as one of the captains, I think an appropriate choice um, and a guy that that brings sort of some, you know, that Midwestern grit. Like there's not a ton of that out here, to be quite frank, on the West Coast. And from having, you know, lived, I know you were in Iowa for a time. I spent time in North Dakota, South Dakota. So we know what it's like in the Midwest. And those people are just built different out there. Adam Sheffield looks like it. He plays like it. And hopefully is going to be able to get back and healthy because they need him up front if they're going to be able to continue their plan of attack, which is to run the football. And I imagine run the football a lot of times behind him. Yep. Adam Sheffield, again, native of San Jose, but spent time in South Dakota at the University of Sioux Falls, even just a year or two out there you certainly get those uh, midwestern values and it looks like adam sheffield uh certainly has that so we hope that he is able to go this week uh sunday against uh, the northern arizona wranglers uh that game will be here on 95 7 the game as always and let's preview that game here for just a little bit evan this is a team in northern arizona that has kind of quietly been one of the surprises i think of the 2022 ifl season they're three and two. They started off with a loss. Then they won three straight games. One of those over these Bay Area Panthers. That was uh, way earlier in the year. The second game of the year when uh, Northern Arizona won forty-nine to twenty down in Prescott Valley in Northern Arizona. Now the uh, Wranglers come up to San Jose to take on the Bay Area Panthers. Should be interesting. But this is a North- Northern Arizona team, Evan. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders right now, and it's kind of bad news for the Panthers because we talked about their defensive struggles. The Panthers are going to need to have to have a good defensive performance. Otherwise, we might see uh, this uh, this Northern Arizona team put up uh, quite a few points coming up on Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there there were a couple factors back in the second game of the season for the Panthers that sort of, I think, set them behind the eight ball initially. One, it was their first road game of the season, first road game for a lot of players in the IFL. Number two, it was on the first short week of the year, and we've seen you know, how the Panthers have, have maybe not been as energized or have, have had that stamina, that extra level that they can take it to on short weeks. So, you know, they played Monday night. It was a very competitive game at the beginning of the season. They won that game, an energetic high, and then you got to go on the road to take on Northern Arizona. And I, I think, you know, quite frankly, the Wranglers just punched them in the mouth in that first half, and, and the Panthers didn't have a response. So this is also the first time they'll get to see an opponent for the second time, yeah. and I think that's a you know that that's huge for not only the players but also for the coaching staff because you know Kurt Bryan described Game One as a pillow fight in the dark. I imagine Game Two is pretty similar, and so now that you're able to at least fight with the lights on, you got a, a better chance at figuring out how to break down your opponent. And Northern Arizona is a team that you know, is able to move the ball through the air. They've been stingy on defense and have sort of gotten better and built off of how they started the season. So for the Panthers, Northern Arizona is where you want to be right now. They're a team that's trending up. The Panthers, unfortunately, have trended down since their first one of the season. So I think it's a perfect chance for them to flip the script on what could be a turnaround point in their year, and it comes against an opponent that at least they have some familiarity against. Yeah, so the uh, Wranglers lost their first game, only scoring nine points against Vegas. Then they beat Bay Area, they beat San Diego, and they beat Vegas before most recently this past weekend falling on the road against the Tucson Sugar Skulls in a shootout. 72 to 62 was the final score there. Interestingly enough, the numbers for the Wranglers, still a really good defensive team, the best rush defense in the league, the best total defense in the league, third best pass defense, but that was not the case this last week. But their offense was great as well. I mean, you score 62 points, that's a given, but their quarterback, Caleb Barker, threw for 226 yards, seven touchdowns and one interception. And their star receiver, Quentin Randolph, seven receptions, 115 yards, five receiving touchdowns. But guess what? He also had two carries, 31 yards. Both those carries went for touchdowns. Seven total touchdowns for wide receiver Quentin Randolph over the weekend against Tucson. Uh, I am sure that uh, Coach Kurt Bryan, Derek Chachere, and the entire Bay Area Panthers coaching staff is circling Quentin Randolph. Do not let him go off on Sunday. He was phenomenal this past week. Yeah, it's it's tough to play a prevent defense on a 50-yard <laughs> field, but you need to prevent him from getting in the end zone as much as you can. And one thing that the Wranglers also do really well, which I think is something to keep an eye on, is their run defense. You know, they only allow about 2.4 yards per carry, and on the year, teams have only gained about 205 yards against them. So, you know, whether that be because they're playing with leads, they're playing against teams that prefer to pass the ball, that is certainly something that I, I'm going to be looking to see how the Panthers, if they just simply try and run it until they can't run it anymore. Um, and I think also, you know, maybe not, not necessarily the reason why Murphy was let go at the beginning of this at this week, but... You know, Joe Newman, I think, just stylistically blends with what Kurt Bryan wants to do on offense a lot more, which is run the football, which is be creative and 
Uh, he, he's a very impromptu type runner because of what he can do in the read option game. And so hopefully that will give North, Northern Arizona fits. I mean, the first time they met, it was a 14-14 game and a half. So again, the first halves have not been the issue for the Panthers. It's been how they've been able to adjust and come out in the second half. Hopefully Newman, the running game, can be sustained throughout the entirety of the four quarters. And, you know, for Northern Arizona team that likes to, you know, pass it down the field, if you can just find a way, I mean, seven touchdowns is ridiculous. If you can even find a way to cut that in half, I think you're winning if you're the Panthers. Over, under at three and a half. What are you taking? Oh, the under, man. Come on. <laughs> Panthers are stepping up. Panthers got action. Oh, it's coming up Sunday, 5.05 from SAP Center. The uh, uh, You'll hear it on 95.7, the game. The question right now is we don't exactly know what the Golden State Warriors playoff schedule will look like. There's a chance that the Bay Area Panthers game runs on tape delay. If it does, we'll let you know. Stay locked on 95.7 The Game on Twitter, and we will keep you up to date on that. Again, it's scheduled Sunday, May 1st. Uh, Bay Area Panthers hosting the Northern Arizona Wranglers. The Panthers trying to avoid a fifth straight loss after opening their season with a win. Again, coming up on Sunday, 5.05 here on 95.7 The Game. That'll do it here for episode number seven of the Bay Area Panthers pod. For Evan Giddings, this is Mark Randy signing off. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more. Again, you're listening to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.